This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. G'day, everybody. Thanks for joining me. I've got a conversation with the bassist in Angra to share with you. His name is Philippe Andrioli. Now, of course, we talk all about the boat, but there was another topic that was pertinent, and that's the status of whether or not Kiko Lorero, who used to be in Megadeth, will he rejoin Angra? And in what capacity? We answer that question. So here he is, Philippe from Angra. Mate, thanks very much for taking the time out for a chat. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. You got a huge show on tonight. You yes. get your DVD filming. Okay. So I'll ask you a question about that in a moment. First of all, I want to get your thoughts on your impressions of the boat overall on the cruise. What do you think? Uh, it's a third time here and it's just a lot of fun, you know. Um, it's a more relaxed atmosphere. It's not just a, a regular show. We're as much working as we are hanging out and seeing friends and eating and just going to the beach, as you can see, right? <laughs> and um, it's cool because we get to play shows and see other bands and meet with fellow musicians and fans. So it's a whole different experience from everything we do throughout the year. So it, we very much look forward every time mm. to coming here. What about uh, the island experience in Dominican Republic? Did you enjoy being on Puerto Plata? We went to the beach. We went to a beach called uh, Cosita Rica. It's a smaller, more, uh, less um, crowded beach. Mm. And we stayed there and had lunch there. And then we came back to the, to the port and hung around there with friends as well. Uh, yeah, it was fun. Mm, cool. Okay, so... Your new album, or newish album, Cycles of Pain, it's been out for 12 months now, is that correct? No, it actually was released on the 3rd of November. Okay, that's it, because there's been a few albums that have been, it's, it's interesting just about all the bands I've spoken to, it's either the beginning of last year or in November, so yeah. I can always hedge my bets either way on that one, but did it, it's, you You guys are established, you know that, I mean you're a world-renowned heavy metal band, you've got fans from Australia to Europe, across South America and North America, is this an album here that you think I know that these are these are interesting questions. I get that, but does it is it going to find your new fans, or is it going to consolidate your fan base? I wish both. Um, every album we do, we strive first and foremost to be angry, and that comes very naturally to us. I think this lineup has been established for eight years now, mm. and I think everyone in the band now knows really well what anger is about and mm. things we must do to sound like angry. But it's just natural she was at this point. At the same time, uh, Angra has always had a leeway in terms of expanding the style and bringing in new influences. And we try to be very natural about it in, in just in terms of letting whatever we are listening to at the time or studying at the time or living through at the time influence the music. That's why each album sounds particular, even though all of them sound like Angra, hopefully. And that's no different. And and I think every time we expand beyond what we did before, there's always the chance that new people will hear it and, you know, like it. Or maybe it will be more similar to things that they are used to hearing. This time around, I think the album is more aggressive so maybe fans of more aggressive music can, you know, dig it. Yeah. So, yeah, and festivals like this are the perfect opportunity for people to be exposed to the music and decide mm-hmm. if they like it or not. Yeah, gotcha. 
Um, look, I'm sure you anticipate this question. It's probably come up every interview that you've done in the last bloody, was it three months now or so, but the Kiko question. Is that just the recurring theme with interviewers? You know what? Not as much as you might think. Uh, Kiko, of course, played in Angra for 25 years, and he was just an integral part of the band. A very important composer, as well as a guitar icon, there's no doubt about it, and a good friend, and he's still part of the organization. But I think we and Kiko, we Angra and Kiko, are, are at a point now where we want to do stuff together, but neither of us think it's a good idea just to go back in time and have Kiko back on the band. He's uh, living through a time now with his family and what his career decisions are, are leading him that just is not the same path as, as Angra as a band. And we're so well established now with this lineup, we don't want to change it, yeah. you know? Uh, I see ourselves doing stuff together, yes, but on a, you know, case-by-case -case situation, Kiko as a guest, not as a member. You know, we don't want to let go of Marcelo. He's been in the band for eight years and we just have the best time together. He's a great guitar player. We write songs well together. We go out on the road together mm. and we dig each other's uh, just company, you know? Yeah. And that's very precious. So we don't want to tarnish uh, this relationship. And we don't need to do it because Kiko is a friend and a brother. Mm. And whenever you want to do stuff together, he will come. We'll do whatever we want to do together, and then each one will go their separate paths and, and get together when we want to. Yeah, gotcha. Did you find, I mean, you've been in the band as long as anybody, so did you find that when Kiko joined Megadeth that the band experienced a bit of a surge in popularity, people looking you guys up online? Uh, maybe, but that didn't exactly translate to more people in the shows or maybe more, more, more people listening to the band, yes, on Spotify or such. But I don't think it really translated directly in, in popularity in terms of better opportunities or festivals or whatever. Uh, it was just a curiosity that people wanted to hear where it came from, but uh, we had to, you know, gather and, of course, have a new guitar player in, Marcel, and just work our way back again. Every time we have a lineup change is a challenge, yeah. you know, to overcome, and we did well, and we planned ahead for that, so we introduced Marcelo on Rocky Rio, which is a big, big venue yeah. for the world to see. That was a a, a good decision on our part, I think. So the strategy worked uh, in the long term, but it's always a challenge. So I think it's more, you know, a challenge than a benefit. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I get you. I get you. Well, just just talking about challenges, what would you say has been maybe the uh, most significant challenge for you personally? Being a, it's tough coming from Brazil. It's coming, tough coming from anywhere, but coming from Brazil and making heavy metal your life. Yeah. What was the most significant challenge you had to overcome? You know what, so just keeping a band together is enough of a challenge in itself, but coming from Brazil, everything is more difficult. We're far, the country doesn't care at all about heavy music, and we are actually very fortunate to, to be able to play as much as we do in Brazil. And to be perfectly honest, if we wanted to have a career only in Brazil and South America, we could. It's totally doable. You know, we do very well in Brazil. But in places like Europe, the US, even Australia, mm. I mean, we do really well in Japan, but uh, 
places like Australia, they're so you're so far from us, and it's just so expensive just to get there mm -hmm. that I feel like an European band or a U.S.-based band would would have an easier time just reaching more people, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And yeah, this geographic difference makes us be absent for many, like for example, the festivals in Europe. It's hard for us to go because we need a certain amount of shows to, to make it worthwhile going there. Same for the US, if you do some one-off shows, it's gonna be a loss for sure. Yeah. You know, so the, the geogra geographic challenge, I think is a big one. Yeah, but it does, your global success, you can just, well, okay, your local success in Brazil, you mentioned that you can just basically play in Brazil, a bit like Sodom can just play in Germany and make a career out of it. Yeah. But back when you guys were successful, when you first were, there was two. There was you guys and Sepultura, and that was it. I'm sure there were others bubbling underneath the surface, like Volcano and some of those bands that are now well-known or, or, or renowned, I should say, but certainly didn't have the success financially. What do you feel it was that, say, separated Angra from all of the other great bands that were in Brazil at the time that gave you guys the edge to give you that success? It's hard to say exactly why. It's always basic, basically consistency and persistence and having a differential. And I think in both cases, Sepultura and Angra, we have a differential. We're, we're not just, we don't try to sound European or American. We want to sound Brazilian. And the people appreciate that. In, more, in some countries more than others. Uh, France, for example, is a country where they really love the experiments, the mixtures, and the, the more exotic sounding bands. So we, I think, uh, had a lot, of, a lot of success just embracing who we are, Brazilians, you know? Yes. With its pros and cons, but the music in Brazil is so rich and so diverse that using that, I think it was a, a great thing, you know? And it's just natural to us, it's just who we are. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, fantastic, yeah. Okay, we spoke up top about the DVD shoot. So, great place to do a DVD shoot, but I imagine you've got to bring in some pretty special equipment and maybe even do a special set list for a show type like tonight, is that correct? Uh, actually, no. Uh, for uh, The way I see it, it's the most relaxed DVD experience ever for us. Because the ship is taking care of video and audio recording. And all we have to do is go up there and do a great show. So of course we have the whole crew with us, our crew. But the show is no different from the show we've been doing. I mean, we can't even have a, a backdrop on the pool or uh, LED wall or whatever. Yeah. So the production is very minimal. It's just lights and music, you know? So our job is just to play a great show and have a good time and give people a good time. And hopefully this DVD or whatever media it comes out in uh, will show people a little bit of the boat experience. Because I yes. think it's something that you, if you're never here, you don't know what it's like, you know? And being our third time here, we're well aware of what the, the experience is like. And I look forward for this uh, DVD release so people can, you know, have a uh, some of the experience. Mm. Did you guys recent, like, was it a quick decision? In other words, a decision made in the last few months or has it been planned? Uh, this decision was made as soon as we uh, booked the show because we actually uh, met Skipper at the Columbia Monsters of Rock where mm -hmm. we played. 
And he came up with the idea and we discussed it at the spot and decided right then and there that this was a great idea. Yeah. You know, so we've been, of course, uh, aware of this recording for many months. Yeah, it gives the fans something to be excited about too because when it's released, they're going to be looking there to see if they're Yeah, of course, they'll be there. <laughs> you know, this is going to document this point in time and this, you know, the ship is very special. You know, it's like being in a different world for a few days. So. Yeah, very true. Yeah. yeah, it does feel a bit like that. It's uh, Even though we've got the internet connectivity, which has been great, by the way, but still, you, you the distance from away from everything, and you just look out there and there's... Don't you find it weird yeah. how you look over the edge and there's just water? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, but also the sense of communion you have with yeah. all the people in the ship, the fans, the other bands we see, friends that we have on board. Uh, it's just a great experience. It's like being in, in vacation, but also doing shows and playing, which we love, mm -hmm. and seeing other bands. It's just a great experience. Yeah. Mate, I'll make this my last question for you. Thanks for your time. I know we've spoken about Australia, but how likely is it that we'll see you down there sometime in the future? I mean, we don't have anything lined up for Australia, but we would love to go back. Uh, we don't even know promoters there right now. We lost contact with the... the the people that took us there mm. in 2005. Wow, okay. Where, which, yeah. yeah. We um, went to Australia from Japan. Yes. So that made it easier. Same time. Going straight to Australia would be quite an ordeal. Yeah. First, because uh, plane tickets alone would cost a lot of money. So, yeah, I look forward to the opportunity to go back. I loved being in Australia for whatever, three, four days that we were there last time. Mm. And I really look forward to coming back. We have fans there, I know. I, I, of course, these people are on social media and we know they're there. And mm. we l would love to play for them again. There you go. All right, well, promoters out there, you know what to do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Really Thank appreciate you. it. It's Thank been you. great, yeah. Philippe from Angra, ladies and gentlemen. That chat again recorded aboard 70,000 tonnes of metal, the 2024 edition. I wonder where we were. I wonder what longitude and latitude we were there. It was certainly on the way back from the Dominican Republic, but anyway. Look, there are many more conversations that recorded aboard 70,000 tonnes of metal featuring the members of Carnation Unleashed, Tigers of Pantang, The Halo Effect, Sodom, Scar Symmetry, Nocturnal. My Dying Bride, In Human Condition, and Blood Red Throne to check out. You can check them out here on YouTube or Spotify, whatever podcast app you're listening via. But go across to scarsandguitars.com because they are all conveniently located under a tab up the top of the webpage. 70,000 tons, all there, all worthy. All right, that's it from me. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast. Until the next one, it's a goodbye for now.